Ladies and gentlemen, the Brit Pack is back. Simon Head and Chimatkar Sandu. I'm over here in Rochester in the UK. Sandu is over there in Toronto in Canada. And it is Fight Week. UFC 264, Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, the trilogy, bragging rights, possibly a title shot. It is all in the middle of the table. All the chips are in. Conor McGregor's career might even be uh, determined by what happens in this fight that is how big this fight is and uh, what we'll do on this week's show is we will run through all of the main card but obviously our main focus and the topic we will start the show with today is that fight it's a huge one sandu we've been waiting for the big fights to really kick in it's at the t-mobile we've got a full crowd are going to be in attendance the ufc is 100 percent back and what a fight we have in store on saturday night yeah, it doesn't get bigger than this, Simon, especially because it's a trilogy fight. It's a really easy story to sell. There's, there's footage of them uh, in terms of where they were at their career when they first fought. Obviously, the second fight took place no less than six months ago, so it's still very recent in everyone's memories. It means a lot to both guys outside of, obviously, the money that they both be making and walking away with here, outside of the fact that the winner will most likely go on to fight Charles Oliveira for the lightweight title. Ultimately, this is a, a legacy-defining fight in many ways for both men, isn't it? Because it's a trilogy fight. After this, it's that's it. Bragging rights for good. You know, you you ride off into the sunset when they're in their fifties or sixties and they look back at their careers. One of them will be able to say, "I beat you two-one." Simple as it's as simple as that. And what we do know about this fight, you know, you've already talked about a few things, Simon. The fact that the fans are back. It's a sold-out T-Mobile arena. Las, Las Vegas is absolutely popping right now. It's back to normal. Um, Conor McGregor hasn't done any interviews. No media. He's kept himself in camp. Complete difference from previous fights. And Dustin's done his fair bit. I mean, to be fair, they've both done, you know, the countdown show. But um, you can kind of tell that both men are so focused on making sure they get the result that matters because it really does pave the way for what can happen in the next couple of years. So outside of, you know, an undisputed championship fight, it really does not get bigger than this. And I would even say, Simon, let me know if you agree or disagree. This could even in many ways be bigger than any title fight that the UFC could put on because one half of this main event is the biggest draw, the biggest star in this sport's history. And he brings so much to the table, financially, exposure, worldwide notoriety when it comes to the UFC brand, that guys like Conor McGregor just don't grow on trees. And that only is sustained if he continues to win. So tons on the line here, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and this is almost a crossroads fight for Conor McGregor. You know, let's let's just set the scene, shall we, just for what what is actually on the line here and what has led us to this. Back in September 2014, uh, a young Conor McGregor working his way up through the UFC took on Dustin Poirier in what was his fourth fight in the octagon. He'd beaten Marcus Brimage in Stockholm on his debut. He outpointed Max Holloway, and then he had that incredible night in Dublin where he, f he finished Diego Brandao, and that was the fight that really catapulted him, catapulted him to stardom. 
they then took him to Vegas. This was his last Vegas debut against Dustin Poirier. There was a lot of bad blood going into that fight. And Conor McGregor dusted him. Absolutely dusted him inside two minutes. One minute, 46 seconds. Then Conor McGregor set off on his run towards the featherweight title. Obviously got the interim belt first. Then the full version with the Jose Aldo knockout. And then we know what happened from there. Fast forward to present day. January 24th this year, they had the rematch. So it's a huge amount of time and a lot a lot went um a lot of water has gone under the bridge since then for both men. Dustin Poirier has made his way up. He also made the move from featherweight to lightweight and became a champion, albeit an interim champion. Uh challenged for the lightweight title against Khabib and lost. Connor challenged for the lightweight title against Khabib and lost, but obviously he'd had the belt previously uh, from uh, Eddie Alvarez at UFC 205. But they have had these slightly, these somewhat parallel careers uh, relatively recently. They met 24th of Jan at UFC 257. Dustin Poirier gets the win this time. Basically, uh, completely slows him down uh, with, with leg kicks and then finishes him with strikes. Second round, 2 minutes 32. So that's how we go into this week. They're one apiece. After that second fight, Poirier was waving two fingers at the camera, one on each hand. It's 1-1. That's what he was saying. It's 1-1. Right there and then, he knew that we needed the rematch. Connor said it would be an honor to face him in the rematch. And they opted to do this instead of Poirier going to fight for the belt. That's how big this fight is. You're saying how big the fight was, Sandu. That's how big the fight is. Dustin Poirier opted for this instead of a fight for the undisputed UFC lightweight title. If he goes on and beats McGregor, that'll look like a pretty good decision. Um, because then he will get a shot at the belt anyway. But the winner of this is going to go on and fight for the title. L the loser, who knows what's going to happen. Poirier will probably stick around and keep going. Conor McGregor, we don't know. And that's the, that's the really intriguing thing for me about this fight. McGregor has not been overly successful in terms of his results inside the cage of late. Um, he is 3-3 three and three from his last six fights, spanning back to the first fight with Nate Diaz back in 2016. And he's only won one fight at £155 in his UFC career. And that was that win over Eddie Alvarez in UFC 205. We're seeing how the world of boxing is starting to open up opportunities for non-traditional fighters if you like or non-traditional boxers uh mma fighters youtubers celebrities to step into that world and make money connor was arguably the one that sort of broke the door down by fighting floyd mayweather that might be another option for him further down the line manny pacquiao was talked about uh leading into the part the second poirier fight if he wins this fight you would imagine he'd go on and fight for the belt if he loses this fight what do you think that means for Conor McGregor as a UFC athlete? I'm not saying that this is going to be the last we see of him if he gets beat. But as a relevant world-level world contender, he's going to have a little bit of work to do, isn't he? You're absolutely right, Simon. Well, number one, if he loses, that'll be his first back-to-back -back losses in not just his UFC career, but his MMA career. He's never lost two fights back-to-back. Um, and I think from just that point of view, the fact that these two fights would be against a legitimate 
top five opponent in Dustin Poirier, a title challenger, former interim champion, like you said, Simon. I think the very first port of call would be him sitting down with John Kavanagh, Owen Roddy, and his team, just to figure out if they can still hang with the absolute elite and the best, and do they still have what it takes and the tools? Are they able to make the the changes necessary to, to still compete. That'll be a conversation they'll probably have in the aftermath if he loses. And obviously it will depend on in the fashion of which he loses. I think if he was to lose, I think the, the, um, the, the peak of his star power, the peak of his drawing ability would be in the rearview mirror. And that's not to say that he still wouldn't be a draw. That's still not to say he wouldn't be a star and that he wouldn't still do you know, compared to the average UFC pay-per-view, Simon, phenomenal numbers. And there will still be, in, you know, a plethora of fights out there for him. You've got the Nate Diaz trilogy. That's people have been wanting to see. I think I've been in the front of that line for like the last for four or five years. Um, you've got, you know, rematches galore. You've got Max Holloway there, you know, potentially down the road at some point. You've got Jorge Mazadal. Him and Conor have had a bit of back and forth over the last couple of years. Who knows? Nick Diaz is coming back, and who wouldn't want to see that? You know, another Diaz brother. So there's always going to be names available within the world of the UFC. To your point about boxing and, and, and other, you know, combat sports, it all comes down to his relationship with the UFC, his contractual status, whether he'll get the blessing to go and do something like that. We already saw Dana White and the UFC kibosh George St. Pierre wanting to, to box Manny Pacquiao. You know, that's not going to happen now. Um, so, you know, who knows if perhaps Connor still being an active fighter has a little bit more sway and a bit more favor with the UFC brass for something like, to ha- for something like that to happen. Um, but I think the overriding thing that, co- that I think about if Connor was to lose is I think you'd see a certain subsection of fans that might just tune out moving forward. I feel like, and I think we've spoken about this before, Simon, there are hardcore MMA fans that watch anything and everything. Then you have your hardcore UFC fans that pretty much watch every UFC event, prelims, main card, the lot. Then you have UFC fans that just tune in for the big fights, pay-per-view, title fights, Conor McGregor fights, etc., etc. And then you have just Conor McGregor fans. And they are the most casual. And again, we're talking about the vast majority. And it's why his pay-per-views do so tremendously well. And why he's got, I think, five of the top six best-selling pay-per-views in UFC history. And they've been on this journey with him, Simon. They've been on this ride. Just like if you're a casual fan of any other sport. You know, if I'm, say, for example, if I'm a casual fan of golf and I'm only going to tune in if Tiger Woods, you know, plays or something like that. That's the equivalent, and that's absolutely fine. You know, th- that, those people and those customers are a large portion of why the sport and the UFC in particular has seen so much success over the last six or seven years, right? But I feel like if, if he was to lose, those people, that subsection of fans may just be like, you know what, we went on this ride with him. Looks like the game's over. Looks like you know he's winding down. You know, the best is you know, behind him. And, and maybe they won't be as passionate about tuning in. Some of them probably will. They'll probably be ride or die with him all the way to the end. Um, but I can definitely see some dropping off. And that's as natural when you're a casual sports fan of anything, right? The only thing when you're winning is the, is the phrase, right, Simon? Um, 
But like I said, I just still don't think it'll have as detrimental of an impact in terms of what he brings to the table compared to other fighters on the UFC roster. And that's the, um, the, the, the important comparison everyone should be thinking about making when talking about the future of Conor McGregor should he lose. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that is absolutely certain is this is not going to be the end of the line for Conor McGregor if he gets beat. He's he's a man with options. His star power affords him a plethora of options. You know, he he will remain a contender in the UFC through star power alone. Um, because he draws the numbers, he is a main event fighter. He's a huge draw for the company. So provided he's competitive, he will always be there or thereabouts. So it'll be very interesting to see how he approaches the fight, how he gets through the fight, and what happens afterwards. We talked very briefly there about McGregor's sort of uh, journey through those fights to get to where he is, and uh, the fact that there's been a a bit of a, a bit of a parallel uh, situation with him and Poirier in recent years. Look at Dustin Poirier since he lost that first fight to Conor McGregor. His career record since that first defeat at UFC 178. Uh, to McGregor, he's gone eleven two. Sorry, eleven and two with one no contest. He's beaten four UFC champions. He's beaten McGregor. He's beaten Holloway. He's beaten Alvarez, and he's beaten an interim champ in Justin Gaethje. And he's beaten Anthony Showtime Pettis. Um, his only defeat. Uh, sorry, his only his only defeats since that McGregor loss was a surprise knockout loss to Michael Johnson back in 2016, and of course that rear naked choke. Uh, defeat to Khabib on Fight Island back in 2019. But if you take a look at the body of work, his body of work is super, super impressive. Quality of opposition, fre uh, frequency of fights. He's been consistent and uh, he, he's been there or thereabouts for championships for, for quite some time. And the one thing that has eluded him is that undisputed belt. And he's in a, he's in a perfect position now because he gets... The biggest payday of his career, I would imagine, in this fight against Conor McGregor. And if he repeats the feat by beating him again, win, wins the trilogy, he then goes on and takes on Charles Oliveira in a fight that he is more than capable of winning. Oliveira is dangerous and, and uh, perennially underrated, but that is a winnable fight for Dustin Poirier just as it is for Charles Oliveira. That's a coin flip fight. Uh, so he's got a huge opportunity ahead of him. If you're Dustin Poirier, um, how do you approach this? Because we'll st let's sort of delve into the nuts and bolts of the actual matchup. If you're Dustin Poirier, you went in there, your first fight with him, you basically lost your head before you went in there. He went in there, he wasn't he wasn't present in that fight. He was too, too wound up. He got clipped and he got finished. Because he went in there wanting to take McGregor's head off. The second fight, he went in with a game plan. Mikey Brown from ATT had had the game plan sorted with him. They would systematically break down McGregor's lead leg. He has a very wide stance. That's where he generates a lot of his punch power from. Attack the lead leg. That was the main thing. Attack that lead leg. And he hammered that lead leg. And Once, once McGregor's movement was compromised, he loaded up with his strikes. And he, he stopped him in the second round. But now we're into the third fight. McGregor knows... That, that tactic is available to, to Dustin Poirier. And I'm sure he will have been looking for ways of combating those leg kicks. The question now is, if you're Dustin Poirier, do you fight 
to win the fight or do you fight to entertain? Because if he loves to go in there and have a tear up. But if you're Dustin Poirier, the one element of your game that you haven't used perhaps as much as you could have done is your wrestling. He's got decent wrestling. I'm sure his wrestling is better than McGregor's takedown defense. And that would be a way for him to get the victory. It wouldn't necessarily be the way that most people would, would, would like to see him get the victory. But do you think there's a chance that he might just go down that path, beat McGregor, get the win, and then go off and get his title shot? Or do you think there's an element of uh, machismo still there and uh, he wants to stand there and throw hands with McGregor again? Because let's not forget, before those leg kicks really started to take effect, McGregor was tagging him. Um, and uh, it was only really once Poirier started to really affect McGregor's movement that the fight really turned. So I'm fascinated to see how this one pans out. If I'm, if you're being pragmatic, I think you lean heavily on the wrestling if you're Dustin Poirier. But do you think he will? Or do you think he'll get drawn into a, a, a toe-to-toe tear-up, which is exactly what McGregor will want? This is part of the massive intrigue for this fight, isn't it, Simon? Because if nothing else, Dustin Poirier must be coming into this contest oozing confidence. He just beat the lad like five, six months ago. On the flip side, though, it wasn't a flawless performance. Connor did tag him. So it's one of the situations where they got the result, they got the win, and at the same time, there was enough there that they can go and work on and do the homework and say, hey, listen, this is where we went wrong. This is where Connor was really well in terms, done really well in terms of his offense. And this is what we need to change and tweak. And it's funny you mentioned the takedown stuff because there's been some banter between the lads, you know, on, on social media. I think Connor started it, you know, talking about the first one to uh, shoot for a takedown's a, a you know what. And um, it's all mind games before things kind of uh, come to a head on the weekend. But for me, though, Simon, I think one of the, the biggest factors that we essentially haven't seen Dustin Poirier in, he's fought Conor McGregor as a part of a main card. He's fought Conor McGregor in a main event of a pay-per-view in Abu Dhabi with a couple of hundred people in attendance. Now he has to fight Conor McGregor in Las Vegas, T-Mobile Arena, packed, what, 18, 19, 20,000 fans, packed to the rafters celebrities in attendance pandemic is a thing of the past that in its own right is going to be its own monster and its own beast for him to 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 try and slay mentally and emotionally right and i feel like dustin now is more at peace with who he is as a as a as a person as a fighter he's well well rounded so much more rounded than he was you know five six years seven years ago when they first competed and what he's got right now is the best of, of his abilities. And he's in his prime and in his peak. And he's probably learned so much from the loss to Khabib in Abu Dhabi a couple, you know, a couple of years back as well. But for me, I think more than the technical ability and the strategy and what you can bring to the table and, and, and bring to the cage on, on the weekend, I think it's going to be more about how you deal with fight week in addition to the weight cut. How do you deal with the interviews? You know, he doesn't know what Conor McGregor's mentality is like, and he won't know until they come face to face, you know, during fight weekend at the press conference and all that kind of stuff. That's when things will really kick off. They were very cordial in Abu Dhabi, exchanging proper 12 and, and, and Dustin's hot sauce and, and all the rest of it, you know, hugging and 
embracing each other in front of the fans and the media. I don't think it's going to happen this time. You know, I think there's going to be a this is a, this is a more serious version of Conor McGregor. If if you know if his I guess um, build up to this fight has anything to go by, and by that I mean just completely locking himself away from doing any media availability, even to his own outlet. Like he hasn't even given the Mac Life an interview, and they I'm sure rely heavily on the access to Conor McGregor to really bring home the bacon a few times a year. Um, so for me, Simon, I think it's going to be less about, I think they're going to be two different versions of these guys. And, and I think they'll both be fighting different versions of each other. The, 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 the Connor that Dustin fought the last two times will be completely different to Saturday night. And, and the same goes for Connor. The guy that he's going to be fighting in Dustin Poirier will be an even better version an even polished version that he's fought before he's going to be bringing new things to the table i'm sure they would you know with mike brown and everybody else at att would have worked out three or four different game plans that they can implement and pivot to depending on the situation um but for me it's going to be who can rise to the occasion more and to be fair simon it's been a minute since connor fought in front of fans as well i wonder how much of an influence that will have on him he he thrives on the big occasion um, and, you know, when the, the lights go out, the music hits and, you know, unfortunately due to COVID, there's not going to be that insurgence of Irish fans that are going to be invading Las Vegas. But I'm sure there's plenty of Irish Americans that would have made the trip to Las Vegas to be a part of this event. And, and the vast majority of them are going to be Conor McGregor fans. So it's going to be an absolute scene and we're going to see who can really, you know, like I said, rise to the occasion. Yeah, I think the mental side of this is absolutely key you you think about the first fight conor mcgregor was was a star before he was a star almost you know what i mean he he was getting the promotional push poirier was the one despite being the, the 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 more experienced fighter he when he was the one arriving with the chip on his shoulder he he had a point to prove and he allowed mcgregor to get in his head and you know we saw what happened the second fight it was it was not exactly the same, but they were kind of on more of a level playing field, I think. You know, Poirier had been there or thereabouts at the top of the game. McGregor's been there or thereabouts at the top of the game. Obviously, slight difference in earning uh, abilities, but they're both right up there. And, and, and Poirier, but he still had a chip on his shoulder because he lost the first fight. And he went in there and he converted. He showed his maturity. Like the, the, the Dustin Poirier we saw at UFC 257 was nothing like the Dustin Poirier we saw at UFC 178. And the build-up to that fight helped because Connor didn't even attempt to play play any mind games. Didn't attempt to wind him up. Um, I think we might see a bit of that this week. I think we might see McGregor trying to wind him up. Some of the stuff that we've put or seen on social media has been sort of laying a little bit of groundwork there. I think Connor McGregor is worried that Dustin is going to try and take him down. That's why he's putting that out there now. Um, because what he wants is for people to immediately start booing as soon as he gets taken down so that, you know, the, the standups happen quicker and things like this, you know, all of this goes into it and he doesn't, he wants to try and go Dustin into a, a toe to toe war. Now that's what they had second time round and, and, and Dustin won, but I just think that we're going to see McGregor trying to knock Dustin out of his comfort zone and try and try and wind him up again he's done it before that means that he's, he's capable of doing it again and uh 
if Dustin allows Connor to get under his skin, then it's advantage McGregor before they even step into the cage on Saturday night. So I'm really fascinated to see not so much what's said, but more the body language, particularly of Dustin Poirier, because I think McGregor will be on the front foot. Um, he's a guy looking to bounce back. He's a guy looking to tell the world that he's still the man. Poirier could just sit there and go, well, I beat you in, in, in January. I finished you. And if you look at the replays of that fight, he basically knocks him out uh, for a split second in that fight. So, um, you know, he knocked out Conor McGregor. I know it was, it was scored a TKO, but he, 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 he flatlined him for a minute there. So um, he should be super confident. And all he needs to do is keep his head and go in there with a solid game plan. And then we've got ourselves a fight because you've got a super confident guy who knows that he can win against uh, a very talented and always confident man who is looking to really prove that he's still the guy. So it's fascinating. And I think the fight week stuff is going to be really interesting. There's going to be a press conference. We're, you know, we're going to see all the media interviews during the week. But I think the press conference, you know, where they're both on the dais together and the, the ceremonial weigh-ins where they're, they're face-to-face, I'm fascinated to see how all this goes. I think it's going to be a really, really interesting fight week, uh, not, notwithstanding the fight itself. Um, we, did some, we did some predictions last week. What are your thoughts now that we're, we're actually into fight week? Um, I've had a look at, I had to write a, a, a betting preview earlier earlier today actually for paddy power and i was looking at the odds and all the rest of it and i have a sneaking suspicion that yeah we've seen two stoppages so far i i can't shake the thing uh, uh, i can't shake the feeling that this one might go all five rounds i just think they know each other so well at this point uh they're both mature as fighters i don't think they're going to provide each other with the openings quite as freely as perhaps you know we saw in the first fight certainly so I'm fascinated to know what 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 your what your thoughts are on on how you think this might pan out stylistically and also the actual result itself. Yeah, nothing's changed really, Simon. And I know we're technically into fight week, but the festivities don't really kick off until Wednesday of fight week. That's when the fighters are available to the media, and there's a press conference. They're in Vegas. We get all of these these embedded episodes, which I don't typically watch, to be fair. Uh, but it's a kind of fight week, so I'm going to be paying attention to that. Um, I'll tell you what, Simon, Connor has never lost back-to-back fights. So I, I take that into consideration. He hasn't done any interviews. That tells me a lot. It tells me a lot in terms of his, his mental attitude coming into this trilogy fight. He's kept himself away from his family. He, he arrived in LA three or four weeks ago. He's already acclimatized. He's been in Vegas for a while now. So like, you know, he's, he's doing everything the right and proper way to prepare mentally for this fight. And like I said, in terms of the occasion itself, Connor's fought in front of rabid combat sports fans so many times. You know, he loves it. He thrives on it. He'll probably do the Billy Strut or some form of eccentric walkout, whether it's, you know, towards the cage or inside the octagon itself. And whether it's, you know, everyone keeps talking about that rocket left hand, and that is an absolute showstopper. You know, he lands and he connects properly. It's dynamite. It's good night, sweetheart. That's it. It's done deal. And so the first round with both men standing on their feet, and that's how the, the fight starts, 
it's already going to be in, in Connor's favor. At the same time, to your point, you know, look, he has gone five rounds before. You know, he, he beat Nate Diaz over the course of 25 minutes. So he's got that experience in his locker as well. Um, overall, though, Simon, I feel like this fight is going to see a stoppage. I feel like it will come from Conor McGregor. It will be early, within the first couple of rounds. And I think this is going to be one of those moments where you look back on his career and you say to yourself, man, as you said at the top of the show, he pushed all his chips in. This one was for all the marbles. There was so much at stake. And once again, Conor McGregor rose to the occasion. There was such a massive layoff from his return fight when he fought Donald Cerrone and just due to, to, to COVID and, and everything else, there was another delay in terms of how long it took for him to fight Dustin Poirier the first time around. Hopefully he's been able to put some consistency into his game uh, in terms of his training and preparation. And, you know, I've written off Conor McGregor a couple of times early in his career because I just didn't see, you know, him really pulling off the big wins, fights like, Jose Aldo and, and Eddie Alvarez. And this time around, I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to back this guy. And, and to be fair, Dustin Poirier winning would not surprise me. It wouldn't shock me. But when Conor McGregor wins, quote unquote, everyone wins. You know, the industry wins, the sport wins. I think there's a lot of people that are hoping Conor McGregor wins because business is booming when the Mac is doing his stuff in the, in, in the octagon and man, it's uh you know, we, we, we've, I think we've had a few waves, the Brock Lesnar wave, the Ronda Rousey wave, the Conor McGregor wave. I just, I just don't know what would life would be like if this was going to be his last fight he loses and he exits the sport and, and where things go from there. But, and I don't even want to contemplate that right now, to be honest. Um, but I'm going to put my money where my mouth is Simon and um, Conor McGregor early knockout, Round one or round two, and then he goes on uh, to bigger and better things, and he'll be one once and for all back properly uh, where he belongs at the at the very top of this sport, both inside the cage and outside the cage. Yeah, I, I I'm fascinated by this matchup. I really am because Dustin Poirier proved that he's he's on the level with Conor McGregor. He went in there. He, you know, there there were no excuses in that fight. It, you know. It wasn't. It wasn't a, a fluky KO. He didn't clip him unexpectedly, or you know, it wasn't a weird technique or anything. Dustin Poirier went in there with a game pan, broke him down, and finished him. I mean, that's that's the aim in a game when you get in the cage. You prepare, you put your game plan together, you get in the cage, you execute your game plan, and if you do it right, you win the fight. And that's exactly what Dustin Poirier did. No fluke to it whatsoever. But I still think that if Conor McGregor shows up fully, fully fired up and, you know, fired on, uh, sorry, firing on all cylinders, I think he'll get it done. I just, I just do. I just think, I think over five rounds, I think he could do it. I, I think, I, I don't know if we'll get an early stoppage. I'm kind of towards the other end of the spectrum. I think, I think we're talking championship rounds or, or points, to be honest. Um, I think rounds four and five, or a decision. I just think that these two know so much about each other at this point. Um, I'd be amazed 
given that it is a five-round fight, if Connor comes flying out the traps full throttle from the start, like he did against Donald Cerrone, I'd be surprised. I mean, he, he might. Um, and if he does, we could end up with a, a potentially early, early night. But I just think that they've been in the cage for a, a, a significant length of time now. And... They know each other well. I just, I just think that, I just think that this is going to go deep into the fight. I think we're going to go past. If you got the over under at two and a half rounds, I think I'd be taking the over and uh, seeing seeing how that goes. But yeah, and and as much as I have the immense and an immense amount of respect for Dustin Poirier, and you look at his recent body of work, it is better than Conor McGregor's recent body of work. There's no doubt about that. But I just think that that, that Conor McGregor now. With everything that's on the line, I think he'll go in there and put on a virtuoso performance. If he doesn't, maybe that tells us something about uh, his his career trajectory. Um, but I think we could see the sort of performance that we saw from him against Cerrone, where he just came in and just looked so at ease and just went in there and, and did what he wanted. I don't think he'll do it as fast as 40 seconds. I think he'll have to be a bit smarter and take it deep into the fight. But I think we're going to get that same sort of air about him. And uh, I think he'll get it done. So looks as if we're both kind of leaning towards a Conor McGregor win. I Like you, I would not be surprised if Dustin Poirier did it. I think it is that close a fight. But I just think that McGregor's got that, that, that little X factor. So um, so we'll see how it goes. If I, But as I say, if I'm Dustin Poirier... I don't care what Conor McGregor says on social media. It's mixed martial arts. If I'm going to strike with him, I'm going to strike with him. But I tell you what, I would be taking him down because that, for me, is where the biggest skills gap is. I think I think Poirier has a big advantage on the wrestling front, and uh, I think he can make use of that. So we'll see how it all pans out on fight night. It is going to be a fantastic occasion. The T-Mobile Arena packed with fans again. McGregor at the top of the fight card. It's how MMA should be. You know, it's a throwback to a couple of years ago when we were getting all these big fights and then, you know, the pandemic hit last year and it everything was sort of switched off. All the lights were switched off in Vegas pretty much. Now we're back. We've had these half and half shows where we've had the Apex with no fans. We've had a few events here and there with fans. But now we're back in the fight capital of the world. Packed house. The biggest star in the sport in the main event. And uh, he's heading up a hell of a fight card as well, Sandu. That that main card, uh, we've had one injury replacement uh, in the first fight of the main card with the Sean, Sean O'Malley-Chris Moutinho fight. But taking a look at some of these other fights on the card, mate, it is, it is going to be a hell, of a, a hell of a fight night on Saturday. And with the co-main event, Gilbert Burns, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson... That's another fight that could potentially catapult the winner into a championship bout next time out. It certainly can, Simon. It, this is a, another such an important fight. And, and obviously, it's easy for every fight to get overlooked and overshadowed by that main event. But my God, Gilbert Burns, this is his first fight since losing to Kamaru Usman back at UFC 258 in February. Um, so we haven't, and prior to that, man, he was on some, he was on a hell of a run. Um, which took him, you know, to a situation where he was fighting for the championship rather, not losing the championship. Um, but I want to see what he looks like. And he's got a tough customer because I think Stephen Wonderboy Thompson might be the most difficult puzzle to solve for anyone that signs the bout agreement to fight him. He is stylistically so hard. And, 
he's probably one of the most avoided fighters. Um, he's been wanting to, he's been chomping at the bit to get in there. And I feel like him alongside Leon Edwards might be the two most avoided fighters in that welterweight division. So I'm mad curious to see how this one plays out. Thompson, you know, they call him Wonderboy Simon, but he's 38 now. Um, and to be fair to Gilbert Burns, I mean, for someone that's kind of really come onto the scene the last couple of years, he's 34. So he's not exactly, you know, a spring chicken. He's, you know, been in the UFC a while, but it feels like he's only really kind of made a name for himself over the last couple of years, just given the run that he went on and some of the guys that he beat. So I think, you know, if, if for, for, for the winner, it's to get back into title contention. It's to get back in to the mix. And I feel like Stephen Thompson would have a much better argument if he won because he's the one guy Kamaru Usman hasn't fought yet. He's the one guy, if you look at Kamaru Usman's resume, which is absolutely phenomenal in terms of who he fought coming up to get the title as well as who he's defended his title against. The one name so far missing on his resume is Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. And for Thompson, you know, he had an opportunity uh, to fight for the title back at UFC 205. I was in attendance for that one. And, you know, you thought that perhaps that was going to be it because, you know, he went, you know, one and three after that. Losses to Tyron Woodley, Darren Till, and then a spectacular knockout loss to Anthony Showtime Pettis. But he bounced back from that, got a decision win over Vicente Luque and Jeff Neal. And those two are as tough as it gets in terms of trying to build up your name and build up a, a, a win streak again. Um, but this one, Gilbert Burns, I think this should, in theory, cinch it. But of course, we know welterweight is so stacked with big names. Um, there's Tyron Wood, uh, there's uh, Colby Covington right now in the mix for a title shot. Um, Leon Edwards, of course, our fellow Brit, he's definitely done more than he should have to a warrant a title shot by now. And I'm sure if Stephen Thompson wins, he'll feel the same way as well. So a big fight, a big, big fight in that co-main event, which could, in theory, steal the show, Simon. Yeah, it's 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 a fascinating matchup because you look at Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, he's like the Rubik's Cube of uh, the, the welterweight division. You look at it, you think, okay, this is pretty straightforward. We know what we've got to do here. But then you try and get your hands on it. You, you know, you, you just can't, you can't solve the damn thing. And that's what it's like with wonder boy you get in a cage think okay just get close to him rough him up take him down get him get him off his feet and then you know especially someone like gilbert burns who's got world championship level jiu-jitsu skills so but you've got to get there you've got you've got to pin the guy down it's like trying to pin down lightning you know he's he's so hard to catch but he is getting older he's he's three and three in his last six um so yeah, maybe the opportunity's there for Gilbert Burns, who was on a great run of form until he got knocked out by by Kamara Usman. Um, so this is this is a fascinating one. I think I think Wonderboy is the guy who can really insert himself into the championship conversation more quickly with a win, just because, as you say, he has that 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 freshness factor that he hasn't already been in the cage with Kamara Usman. It's a new style that Usman hasn't faced yet. Uh, he's got a pretty unique style as Wonder Boy, so that I think would be an interesting test for Kamara Usman. Gilbert Burns, I think, has more ways to win this fight, but it's it's 
control of range. All fights are about controlling range, but any fight involving Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is even more, even more so. You've got to somehow get inside his orb, in, in inside his, his sort of striking orbit, if you like. Um, get inside his kicks, and then and then do your work. Burns is a heavy, a heavy-handed fighter, but I think he wins this fight if he gets the fight to the mat. Uh, if he gets the fight to the mat, I think he has all the skills to submit Wonderboy Thompson. It's whether he can bridge that gap, close that distance, and make it happen. And right now, I just don't know. I just don't know. I think it's 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 a really interesting one. I think I think probably Wonderboy just about has the edge uh, because it, it is a stand-up fight to start with, and the onus is on Burns having to walk through some strikes to make it happen. And as we've seen. He's been clipped on the chin a few times. Dan Hooker knocked him out when he was a 155er. Kamara Usman knocked him out as a 170-pounder. So I wonder why Thompson can throw strikes from all, all, all manner of different angles. So he's got every strike in the book. So I think I'd lean slightly towards Wonderboy, but it is, a, it is a super close fight. I think Burns is the good value bet. You can get good odds on Burns to win by submission, which I think is well worth a little cheeky wager but i think if you're just talking about who wins the fight i think wonderboy probably just about gets the edge for me yeah i agree with you i think i picked wonderboy last week when we were doing our far too early predictions and i think over the three i'm picking him to win by decision um i think over the three rounds to stylistically he'll he'll point fight him evade him uh, you know sprawl and avoid that takedown and i think it'll be tough because he is so elusive he's tall he's lanky he's still fast and quick at 38 He's in great shape for his age. He's got tons of experience. And he knows, Simon, more than anything else, that given the run that he's on right now, he needs to continue to keep this momentum going because just one loss and it, it can all the rug can get taken from under his feet and an opportunity to fight for the title then may seem to be far, far away. So a massive fight in that co-main event uh, that could have some implications for the future of the welterweight division and and who Kamara Usman may fight next. Yeah, it's uh, it, it should be a, a a perfect aperitif for that main event. Uh, of course, a three round fight, which I think leans more in Wonder Boy's favour because it's less opportunity for for Burns to sort of work him out and unpick that puzzle and and try and get him to the mat. Because I think in theory, if Burns can get him down, he might only need to get him down once to win the fight if he gets if if it's early enough in the round because his jiu-jitsu is that good. Um, but yeah, you've only got three rounds to do it in, so you're going to have to set about your work pretty quickly. And that, again, opens you, opens yourself up to get clipped. So really looking forward to that. That's a proper stylistic matchup that, you know, you've got a real clash of styles there. Somewhere where, on paper, there doesn't look like the styles are going to be that different will be the heavyweight bout on the card. But I, I, I do have a theory about this. Greg Hardy taking on Tai Tuivasa in a in a match that just screams slugfest when you look at it on paper, but I do wonder whether it will be because Tai Tuivasa only knows one way to fight. He will stand there, he will walk you down, and he will hit you as hard as you can, as as hard as he can, as frequently as he can until you drop. That's his fight style. Greg Hardy initially fought very similarly, but Greg Hardy is also. Uh, a very, very talented athlete and a very coachable athlete in terms of the way he's adding to his MMA game and working at American Top Team under Mikey Brown and the guys there. I just wonder whether... I mentioned it about Dustin Poirier earlier. 
whether wrestling might come into this. Uh, Greg Hardy is no stranger to taking people down. He did it for a career in the NFL. Um, so he certainly has no no qualms in doing that. And uh, I just wonder, against someone like Tuivasa, who, as good as he is, is quite one-dimensional as a fighter. He he's, he's very straightforward. He's a stand-and-bang merchant. He will stand there and try and knock your head off. If Hardy can fight this a little bit, a little bit smart, work to a game plan, listen to his coaches and mix things up a little bit, I think he can get a win here. I think if he stands toe-to-toe with Tuivasa, it is a complete coin flip and we're going to see some fireworks. So I really don't know how this is going to pan out, but I do think that the person who will ultimately dictate how this fight goes will be Greg Hardy. And uh, we'll see how it all pans out on fight night. I'm looking forward to it, though should be an absolute banger and i don't necessarily think he's going to go the distance yeah i don't think this is um leaving the first round if i'm being fair simon i I think they're both going to swing and the first one to connect is going to be the winner um i'm picking tai to avasa here simon and it's no technical analysis breakdown which is why it's making me lean towards to avasa i was just thinking about greg hardy and, and i feel like Obviously, Dana White's been big on Greg Hardy ever since they signed him. I almost feel like the UFC have almost tried to force Greg Hardy into a situation where he's been in so many main cards. I mean, for God's sakes, he's the this is the third fight on a main card where Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier are headlining. That's a massive, massive spot, right? And I feel like maybe if Greg Hardy had started... I don't know, three, four, five years sooner, he'd be a bit more polished. I just, I just don't know. When I look at Tai Tuivasa, he has been a combat sports athlete through and through, boxing, kickboxing, MMA, and I feel like when he had that bad run a while back, where he lost three in a row, where it kind of looked like maybe the UFC were going to cut him, he got really lucky. He got an opportunity to to fight again, and boom. Two wins in the first round. It looks like Tai Tuivasa is back. He's definitely the man in form. He must be, you know, full of confidence right now. And he himself will know how many eyeballs. This is almost like that Derek Lewis situation, isn't it, Simon? From from a few years back, where these two men, obviously Greg Hardy is probably more well known to U.S. sports fans, just given his background in the NFL. But for Tai Tuivasa, man, if he can get another knockout over Greg Hardy who, let's face it, is a bit of a villain in most people's eyes. He is the heel, to take a pro wrestling term here, heading into this fight. Let's see how the crowd um, are and what kind of reception they give him. Tai Tuivasa is everyone's best friend. He's doing shoeys and all the rest of it. So he is he is the proverbial fan favorite heading into this one. Um, he's the baby face. Um, I think Tai Tuivasa will know. You know, a big win here, a knockout, where there's so many eyeballs on this pay-per-view because of the Conor McGregor factor can do wonders for his career moving forward. And let's face it, a division that the UFC, we've talked about this as a running theme, is constantly looking for next man up. We want a conveyor belt of contenders to line up for a potential fight with Francis Ngannou at some point down the road. So, um, so yeah, again, that's my thinking here. That's my kind of gut feeling on, on how I can reading between the lines with this contest. And that's why I'm just going to lean slightly towards Tai Tuvas on this one. Yeah, I'm going to go on the other side of the coin. I'm going to go with Greg Hardy, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of explain my way through. Number one, I think he's got more ways to win. 
I, I do think that he has the option of taking the fight down and winning the fight through wrestling uh, and dragging dragging the fight into deep waters and eventually either getting a late finish or even winning on the cards. Um, but I also think that he has the ability to stand and bang as well. I think that's the that's the riskiest method because we know Tai Tuivasa can, can can put your lights out in a heartbeat. So, but I do think he has the he has the possibility of doing that himself. The other thing about it is, I take a look at how how his career's gone, and I think I think he's he is evolving with each fight. He went the distance with Alexander Volkov. I don't think there's any I don't think there's any any shame in losing a decision to Alexander Volkov. Um, three five-minute rounds over in Moscow. That was a decent enough performance from him. He then beat Jorgen de Castro, went the distance again. He then knocked out Morris Green, or TKO'd him, and then gassed out and got beat by by Marcin Tabura. So the gas tank is the is is the one area that really needs or needed some 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 sort of attention. But that fight also had the caveat of he'd fought that that fight against Tabura that he lost was on December nineteenth last year. But that came hot on the heels of his win against Green, which was on October 31st. You know, we're talking just a matter of a month and a bit. So there's not a lot of time to just take time out, get yourself back into peak fitness again. He can't have been 100% for that Tabura fight. He just can't have been. So I'm thinking he's had plenty of time since then to rest, recuperate, really hit the gym, really build up that cardio, get himself ready to face a guy who is going to be throwing a lot of heavy leather his way. And uh, I think we're going to see a kind of a pragmatic approach from, from Greg Hardy. I think he's going to, he's going to look to, to lure him in, take him down and uh, look to smash him from top position. And I, th I think that's how he's probably going to get the job done. But um, two big, big, bad heavyweights with heavy hands. You never know, dear. You? you just never know. Any, you know, heavyweight MMA is tough to predict at the best of times. So this could really go either way. It is, it is a decent piece of matchmaking, and uh, but yeah, I'm leaning, I'm leaning towards Greg Hardy. I think, I think he has the bigger upside as a, as an athlete. I think he's with a team that will really, really add extra tools to his belt and will have done since the Tabura fight. So I'm looking forward to seeing the next iteration of the man who calls himself the Prince of War this weekend. I think it'll be a very interesting fight to watch. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I don't think this is going to go the distance. I think it'll probably be done in the first round. Uh, and much like the co-main event, you're looking for you know a guaranteed fight that's going to give you action. Two big men swinging for the fences, trying to knock each other's heads off. This is that fight right there. Yeah, absolutely. And we've got... A really, really important fight for the women's 135-pound division. Irene Aldana versus Yana Kunitskaya. Uh, it's it's a really important fight. It's both fighters looking to earn themselves a shot at the belt. Both fighters more than capable of winning their way into a championship contender spot. Kunitskaya is the one with the slightly better form right now. She's coming into this off the back of two wins. Julia Stoilerenko. And a good win over Ketlin Vieira. That's that's probably the most impressive win so far. Whereas you look at Irene Aldana, she had a first round knockout of Ketlin Vieira back in December 2019, but lost the decision to former bantamweight champ Holly Holm uh, in October last year. So she's looking to get back into the win column. It's almost a coin flip fight, this, but I'm going to go with Aldana. I just think her boxing skills 
her striking will be the difference maker here. Kunitskaya is as tough as they come. It seems every fight she's in seems to turn into a tear-up. And uh, I think the last fight she was in turned into an absolute bloodbath. So um, don't expect Kunitskaya to uh, to sort of disappear very easily in this fight. I think Aldana and Kunitskaya will probably go to distance. But I think Aldana's striking will probably be the uh, the difference maker in this fight. So I'm leaning slightly towards her to get the job done on Saturday. Yeah, we've talked about the heavyweight division and how the UFC are really kind of getting this conveyor belt of contenders ready for Francis Ngannou. It's been a bit more challenging for the bantamweight division to to line up a real healthy line of contenders for Amanda Nunes only because she's just beaten everybody, right? And I feel like Kunitskaya win here could potentially get her a title shot against Amanda Nunes, but Simon, I think it really depends on the result of the Misha Tate return fight against Marion Renault. You know, she's got that fight with Renault coming up, and I feel like if Misha Tate wins, the fact that she's a big name in women's MMA, former champion, never got a chance to rematch Amanda Nunes, she's making a big splash this year by making a comeback. If she looks good and she gets a win, I think the UFC will just fast track her and do a Manny Nunes versus Misha Tate part two. But I feel like if Kunitskaya wins and Marion Renault defeats Misha Tate, that puts Kunitskaya in a really, really strong position um, to try and challenge for that title. She has challenged for a title once before, and that was against Chris Cyborg, and that was uh, in, the, in the featherweight division. So she's got some experience when it comes to the big occasion. And, you know, she's, got, she's, on, she's in form. You know, she's four and one in her last five. And I feel like a win over someone as good as Arin Aldana will definitely put her at the front of the line or there or thereabouts. Um, I feel like I'm going to lean towards Kunitskaya here, Simon, just just based on recent form. Nothing more, nothing less than that. Um, and I feel like she's probably she probably knows that there's a lot riding on, on her getting a big performance and, and a win, much like most other fighters on this main card, purely because of the number of eyeballs that are going to be on this particular pay-per-view because of the Conor McGregor effect. Yeah, and that 135-pound division, it's tricky when you've got Nunes at the top of the division because she's been sort of jumping between the two the two divisions, 45 and 35, defending her belt. And obviously she's you know, st- started a family recently as well, so she's taken some time away uh, for that as well. But you take a look at the rankings. Jermaine Durandamy is the number one contender right now, according to the official UFC rankings. Holly Holm is the number two ranked bantamweight in the world and aspen lad who has obviously had a lot of time out injured but he's now on her way back she's at number three she's the one i think to uh, keep an eye on over the next six months because if they if, if she gets one big win she's going to be right in there as well but active fighters are what it's all about and aldana and kunitskaya are going to be getting in the cage on saturday night if one of them gets a stoppage win and makes enough noise they could find themselves next in line um and, uh, yeah, the Misha Tate thing is, is fascinating, isn't it? Um, if she can get a win, would she want to be thrown straight in in just a second fight back? Or would she want another one? I don't know. I don't know. That was, uh, you know, she's been away from the game for a long time. And uh, it'll be fascinating to see how that fight goes when it eventually does. But getting in there to fight Amanda Nunes is is, uh, is going to be a tough ask for anybody at £135. I think the only one on that list right now who I think stands any chance of beating her is Holly. Because I just think Holly is smart 
in 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 the way that she approaches fights her counter striking is excellent and she's got the ability to potentially outpoint somebody um but i just I, I can't see anybody touching amanda nunez right now i really can't I, I think she's just too good so uh we'll see how this one goes on saturday night it's a big fight number four arena aldana versus number five yana kunitskaya in the women's bantamweight division that is the uh, the second fight of the night on the main card the first fight of the night on the main card uh, sean o'malley is now taking on chris mutinho former cage fury fighting championships uh bantamweight he's been drafted in taking on the sugar show there was a it was almost like an online sweepstakes going on social media uh over the last few days o'malley was like right who wants to fight me and then all these names were popping up saying yeah I'll, I'll i'll fight you here and now and of course it ended up being a complete newcomer in in chris mutinho but uh this has turned into something of a showcase fight for for sugar sean again who's had a few of these over the years but um this one's kind of come out of left field if he wins this fight surely they've got to put him in there with a contender because it's at the point now where you talked at the start of the show sandu about building stars and the UFC having stars. Sean O'Malley is a potential a potential superstar for the UFC. And I think now might be the time to give him a push. Putting him as the first fight of a pay-per-view, of a Conor McGregor pay-per-view, I think that gives you a fair a fair level of uh, expectation in terms of what the UFC hope are hoping to see from him in the uh, in the weeks and months ahead. Tough tough assignment for Chris Martino on super short notice, let alone everything else we've been talking about, Simon. Vegas, 20,000 fans, you know, Bubba O'Reilly plays, Bruce Buffer tells everyone it's time, and here we go. That's the first fight on the main card. This kid is going to be feeling all sorts of emotions, and hopefully he can make weight uh, first and foremost. That's going to be something to keep an eye on is what he looks like, if he can make weight, and, and all the rest of it. But yeah, I concur with you, Simon, 100%. I mean, this is absolutely a showcase fight now, for sure, no O'Malley. Anything other than a dominant performance, a finish, I think would reflect pretty poorly on him, if I'm being honest, just given the fact that he's at a full camp, um, and he's already got you know, a resume littered full of knockouts. Um, and to the, to the point we've been talking about time and time again over the last hour, this is a big moment for Sean O'Malley to give that highlight real moment to the fans. It's a Conor McGregor card. So many people are going to be tuning in. So many people are going to be watching. So many people have actually compared him to Conor McGregor over the last couple of years. Just aesthetically, what they look like, what they bring to the table. I think I've spoken to uh, to you about this in the past, Simon, where I feel like where Conor McGregor brought this completely different demographic to the table, the, the Irish fans, not just from Ireland, but globally, you know, he brought a nation with him uh, and uh, a whole army. Um, I think Sugar Sean O'Malley is kind of one of those, you know, he, he, he ticks a few areas that perhaps the UFC don't have that full-on representative at the highest level of the game. You know, he's deep in there with the marijuana community, much like the Diaz brothers and, and a few others. But at the same time, just given how he's grown up he's a he's a big time gamer he's he's deep in there in the gaming community he understands marketing he understands social media he understands he's so business savvy at his age he's he's been able to generate so many other revenue streams 
just from his short run in the UFC thus far and the splash that he's made. But at some point, you've got to start fighting ranked opponents. You've got to start fighting, you know, the best of the best in the division if you're going to start to get taken seriously, um, both within and outside of the sport. And that will only come after this weekend's performance. Um, I think it's going to be a tall, tall order for for Chris for Chris Martino to to get a result here, let alone be competitive in in any way, shape, or form. And if he is, I think he'll, there'll be an opportunity for him to win fans and turn a lot of heads. But for me, and I think for a lot of people, like you said, Simon, this should be another episode of the Sugar Show. Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, that fight against Thomas Almeida last time out. O'Malley looked outstanding. I mean, the only criticism you could make of him was that he was trying to create the perfect knockout in that fight. Um, just trying to create this 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 walk-off highlight moment. Um, he eventually got the KO in the third round in that fight against a guy who was considered one of the most dangerous up-and-coming bantamweights on the planet not all that long ago uh, in Thomas Almeida. So um, he picked up a $50,000 bonus for that win as well. The lone loss on his record, of course, coming against Marlon Vera. Maybe we'll see that rematch at some point soon. That wouldn't be the worst piece of matchmaking if they booked that next. So, But we'll see how Sean O'Malley goes in that that prime slot, kicking off the pay-per-view card. Just speaking pay-per-views, it is pay-per-view over here in the UK as well. It is a Conor McGregor fight night. Therefore, BT Sport box office is open for business. Uh, I think it'd be about 20 quid. It normally is. Uh, I think it's nineteen ninety five or nineteen ninety nine, um, and uh, you'll be able to get that on Sky uh, Sky Box Office, BT Sport Box Office on on Saturday night. But don't just restrict yourself to the main card. There are a load of good fights on the undercard. Sandu, just looking down that list, what's leaping off the page in terms of the prelims? Uh, I'm looking down the list. There's there's loads. So yeah, I mean, what's what 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 stands out to you as your sort of must not miss uh, prelim fight? I think for me, Simon, it's Carlos Condit versus Max Griffin, which is the featured um, preliminary card bout, and it's more so about the Carlos Condit story right now. For the longest time, we all thought he was done. Five losses in a row, and then all of a sudden, over the course of you know. I think, what, 16 months or whatever it was. He got a win over Court McGee. He got a win over Matt Brown. And now he's back. And I think this is the first fight of a of a brand new contract. And the reason I bring up Carlos Condit is I think there's a handful of fighters that are, that are in the mix for the Nick Diaz sweepstakes. And I feel like a Carlos Condit win here, a solid performance. And then once again, everyone will start talking about let's run it back. Let's get Nick Diaz versus Carlos Condit, part two, unfinished business. It's the perfect fight for both men, yada, yada, yada. You know how the story goes. And I feel like that's the fight that could have the, the potential um, domino effect of, a, of another big fight for returning Nick Diaz at some point in 2021. Yeah, that's going to be an absolute banger of a fight. And don't sleep on, uh, on on Max Griffin. His form has been has been pretty good, and and you know he seems to be enjoying a bit of an Indian summer in his career. You know he was a sort of a mid card fighter, always produced exciting fights, but maybe didn't always get the didn't always get the win. Couple of split decision losses to Thiago Alves, Alex Oliveira, on his record, but he's riding a two fight win streak, both by stoppage. 
Um, and uh, that first round knockout of uh, Song Kinan last time out, he's a dangerous man. He's in he's in excellent excellent form, and uh, against Carlos Condit, that is going to be a lot of fun to round out the preliminary card. What's also going to be a lot of fun and probably pretty mental will be the fight that precedes it. Nico Price, the hybrid, taking on Michel Pereira, the wild man of the UFC welterweight division. Whenever Michel Pereira fights, you just have to watch it. The man is an absolute lunatic. He's jumping off the fence. He's doing backflips. He's doing all sorts. He's throwing crazy strikes out of nowhere. And then you've got Nico Price, who is almost as crazy as Michel Pereira. But this is just going to be an incredible fight. You look at Nico Price's record, it's just alternating wins and losses up until his most recent fight, which was originally a draw, uh, and then got overturned after, I think, he uh, tested positive for THC. Um, so I assume he's been uh, smoking the herb at some point, and uh, he, he, he got popped for that. So uh, that's ended up as a no contest. I'm surprised we didn't get a rematch between him and Cerrone. It seemed like that was a fight that would have been worth rebooking. But we've got Pereira versus Price, and that is going to be absolutely wild. Um, as for who wins, I have no idea. I'm just going to sit back and watch it because Price is more than capable of knocking people out. Michel Pereira is more than capable of knocking people out. Something crazy is going to happen in that fight. That's that's my only prediction. Craziness. That's it. But I'm, I'm really looking forward to that one. That one stands out to me. Um, just another thing. It's great to see Ryan Hall back on back on deck because I remember when he, he came in and he was on the ultimate fighter and no one really, no one really wanted to socialize with him. No one really wanted to No one Certainly no one wanted to fight him. Um, and uh, it was our, our own Saul Rogers who ended up actually fighting him and beating him on the way to the, well, on the way to the final that he never got to compete in, in the, as, it, as it turned out. But, but he's a dangerous, dangerous man. He's a leg lock specialist, a submission specialist and a bit of a throwback insofar as, there's no secrets of what the man's going to do. He's like the polar opposite of Wonderboy Thompson. Wonderboy Thompson is a pure striker. Ryan Hall is a pure grappler. And I'm looking forward to seeing how he goes against Ilya Tapuria. And uh, former KSW champion Drikas Duplessis is back in action as well. He's always fun to watch. He takes on uh, Trevin Giles, Houston police officer Trevin Giles, who's in good form himself. So it's going to be a great card top to tail. We've got four fight early prelims on fight pass. Then you've got the, the TV prelims, which will be on BT Sport. And then you've got the main card, which will be on BT Sport box office. Sandu, it's going to be it's going to be a long night. It's going to be a busy night for you because I know you're working it. But it's, uh, it's going to be a good one, I think. It's one of those moments and one of those events that you look forward to every single year. It's a Conor McGregor fight, you know. And let's face it, over the last like five or six years, he's only competed on average once a year. And so to have him actually back fighting his second fight of 2021, win or lose, hopefully we get one more out of him this year. That's what he was talking about. The minute he lost, he talked to Joe Rogan and he said he just wants a bit of consistency. You know, he just wants uh, to be competing and he wants activity. Well, he's got it. And man, with Vegas being back and, and all the rest of it, you, at the start of the show, you said the UFC is well and truly back. And we've said that the UFC is back and there's many, I guess, iterations of the ufc being back over the course of the last few months but i think this is it pay-per-view in the fight capital of the world with conor mcgregor headlining and a packed out sold out t-mobile arena that is the ufc well and truly back 
Um, and you know, it's the, we're in the middle of summer holidays. The Euros are great. England are still running through, and fingers crossed, it could be one of those all-time great weekends, especially for sports fans. You've got a Conor McGregor fight on a Saturday, and fingers and toes, an England win in a final in Wembley on Sunday. It it it, it wouldn't be better than that. I mean, you couldn't script it any better, could you say? It would be it would be unbelievable. I'm not getting ahead of myself. We've we've shown over the years we are more than capable of stuffing this up yet. Uh, we've got Denmark on Wednesday, so by the time a lot of you listen to this, we may already know if England are in the final of Euro 2020. So um, it's going to be it's going to be quite the week, quite the week. A big Conor McGregor fight week, a uh, big week for uh, England in the Euros. And uh, it's going to mean a late night for all of us on this side of the pond. But this is this is this is what we live for. This is why we love the sport. Um, and uh, yeah, cannot wait to get stuck into that one. I'll be uh, I'll be on duty for BBC Sport again this weekend, um, doing the uh, doing the report for that. So uh, yeah, if you want to check out my report on Fight Night, you can do that uh, on the BBC Sport website on Sunday morning. That will be up there. Hopefully, nice and early. First thing uh, for anybody who uh, is either staying up or wakes up to uh, to check things out in the morning. So, yeah, that hour and ten minutes, Sandu, has absolutely flown by. It's been it's been a, it's, it's it's been a good fun show. We've got a huge week ahead of us. I'm looking forward to just consuming every piece of content that is out there. I see uh, I see your your colleagues over at BT are already putting out some absolutely fantastic content. Um, there's a, a a designer from Liverpool. I think his name's Dave Williams, um, and uh, he's he's done a great comic strip based uh, thing on on social media. Check that out on 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 the Instagram. And uh, some of the video stuff has already been superb. We've uh, we've seen some we see some good stuff coming out of the BT Sport team as you know for, for years and years. And uh, they really they really turn it up to eleven for these big McGregor fight nights. So. Uh, yeah, we've got that, we've got the embedded, then you've got all of the official UFC media obligations, you've got the media day stuff, you've got the weigh-ins, you've got fight night. It's gonna be it's gonna be a, a packed week and I cannot wait. So uh yeah, absorb as much of it as you can and enjoy it. It should be a good one this weekend. But uh, I think that's pretty much everything, Sandu. How can everyone uh, how can everyone stay in touch with us? We are at the Brit Pack MMA on Twitter, but where we want you to go to is thebritpackmma.com. Thebritpackmma.com. That's our website, and from there you can follow the show on social media. You can follow myself, Simon. We're available on Spotify and Apple. For those of you that do listen to us on Apple Podcasts, do us a favor, rate and review us because that really helps the show get found on that particular platform. But ultimately, where we would love for everyone to go is YouTube. I'm telling you, we are so excited to bring this show to a video format, and we're getting closer. We are getting closer and closer by the day, Um, so more news on that. But for the time being, if you enjoy listening to podcasts um, in the background, on your web browser, on your phone, via the YouTube app, we are available there. So check us out on YouTube. Subscribe now. Give us the support there because that's where the real home of the show will be and the brand moving forward yeah it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun and uh huge huge weekend of fights this weekend so this is one of those drag your friend over who maybe isn't a huge fan of mma get them in front of the telly i think you're allowed to have people over these days with the lockdown slightly easing get them over get the beers in the fridge and show them what a huge ufc fight night really looks like 
uh, on, on TV. So it should be a good one. Enjoy the fights this weekend, everyone. And we will be back next week to unpack all of it. All the fight... <laughs> All, all of the post-fight reaction, all of the controversy that is bound to happen, and uh, we will work out what on earth is going to happen next after Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor throw down for a third time this coming weekend. Enjoy the fights. We'll speak to you next week. Yeah.